where can people find you online? Website is gailsylvester.ca. And then all of my social media Gail, pieces. Gail, Gail Sylvester. I thought I said Gail's Thoughts. the best. I'm like, that's pretty good. Just a confident oh, Gail. Gail's the best <laughs> CA. Like, just, you, you know where I am? You can find me. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you should imagine? get that domain. Yeah, I'm going to totally look into that when I hang up. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. It's in the show. I have Gail Sylvester. Gail's based out of Hamilton, Ontario. Been in mortgage business since 2007. Been a mortgage broker since 2007, rather, and was previously working for a bank. She's a grad from our $25 million blueprint program. It's a program we only run once a year. So if you're interested in getting on the wait list, go to get25million.com. And I absolutely love chatting with Gail. She's got amazing positive energy and has had an incredible year. As a lot of you have, you've seen a lot of big growth in your production. But what has been even cooler is that because Gail put in some processes and some systems and team and got everybody working in the same direction, pulling on the same rope. So her volume's gone from 44 million last year to 66 funded this year. It's going to end in the 70 to 75 million range. But she's working less hours. She's not working evenings. She's not working weekends. She told me she was able to take a two-week holiday this summer and be completely off. And her business is growing and she's like, it's actually easier than it was before. And it came from really getting a really defined loan process, getting defined positions for everybody on her team. Now it's just the sky's the limit. It's pretty awesome. So I love it when I see how mortgage brokers, you know, know what's possible once they take this and turn it from a career where they're just like, you know, a slave to it, then they make it into a business. So it's awesome. So huge shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a mortgage application document collection and submission platform. And I love how it's very easy for clients to use. It's got the smart docs feature, which means that when the client's filling it out, it's like, oh, I know you're self-employed. Here's what I'm going to need from you. And they're now connected to over 200 plus lenders. So you can actually submit directly to lenders. It's a fantastic tool. We use it in our brokerage because it's just easy to train on and our agents pick it up quickly. Check them out at finmo.ca slash ILMB. And in our Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Ben McCabe from Bloom Finance, and he talks about three surprising uses for reverse mortgages. That's a great chat that we have. And then finally, if you're listening to this, if you're like, hey, you know what, how did Gail do this? Every year, as I said, we run this program, the $25 million blueprint. If you want to get on the wait list for that, go to get25million.com. That's get25million.com. And thanks again for checking out this episode. Hey, Gail, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Scott. Thanks for having me here. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. Sure. Yeah. For many years, I was always in retail management and I always knew I liked helping clients and such, but I was always drawn to the money side. So one of the girls that worked with me at one of the retail stores, they were opening up a new branch and she was like, hey, you should come and apply. And that was me getting into the bank, starting in the teller role. And then it kind of went back and forth a little bit between retail and banking and then when I got back into banking, I kind of stayed there for about eight years before diving into this business. But throughout that journey, you know, I was married, had kids and such. So there was the stability of working for the bank. And that's what always kept mm-hmm. me there. But the love of the job wasn't so much anymore, right? And I became a single mom. So it was like, okay, let's figure out how to navigate life with kids of five and eight and trying to be self-employed. So it's been a journey, but it's been a good one. And so when did you leave banking to become a broker? 2007. And were you a single mom then? What was that transition no. like? Yeah, no, I was still married at the time. Uh, yeah. But my kids were two and five. And I remember when if I backtracked being in the bank, it's that any declines we had, I'd referred off to a broker. And I remember her saying, you should get into the business. And I said, well, I can't. I said, I need the stability of the bank. I got young kids. 
And throughout the years, and then eventually when I was ready to leave, I called her and I said, listen, I said, I think I want to make the dive. Like I want to make the jump over because I'd left the bank and did a small stint at a credit union thinking it was the change I was looking for, but it really wasn't. So then she's like, well, you got young kids. Like you shouldn't. Like I thought that was going to be too hard for you. And I said, but actually this is why I need to, because now I need flexibility in my day. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with kids, you know, school and daycare and all that kind of stuff. So right, you don't yeah, want to be so you don't want to be stuck on bank hours where you couldn't. Hey, I got to go pick my kid up or something and, and hassle. Yeah, it didn't work. Right, it didn't work now. And it was the pull. I was always pulled to do this because I was the mortgage girl at the branch. Right. So okay, last question on this. But how long did it take you to replace your income? So you took this leap into from the bank, you know, stability. There's a salary. Of course, it's not what you can make as a mortgage broker. But <laughs> right. what, how long did it take you? I think by 2008, I had already surpassed it. Right. And I started September of 2007. So yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Hey, before we dive into the rest of your story, I'd like to ask about a success quote that's had an impact on your life or business. Yeah, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. I've been following him for years. And he's got the one saying of where focus goes, energy flows. That's a great quote. Point. I've heard it before. So how have you applied that? It's mindset, which I know you guys talk about a lot too. So which is awesome, which is why I get drawn to your programs. And mindset is big. It's like, because honestly, what you focus on is what you attract. It's all about the energy. Really, it's keeping positive mindset and just going to the gratitude side, right? Because we're just naturally, our mind goes into the negative. It's just how we're made. So it's effort to go to abundance. It's always easy to find the problems and things. And so can you think of a time when you've had to actually do this? You had to intentionally set up, readjust your focus from like, hey, I'm going on this bad thinking, maybe with a file or with a, you know, situation with work and then how you change that? Absolutely. Right. We have the clients or the files or the properties or the process where, you know, you kind of feel like you're beating your head against a wall some days. And it's like, yeah, you just got to step back. And it's like, no, we're actually coming up with a solution. It's like, that's why we're here, right? Like we're here to help the client close the property that they purchased. They might've not followed the proper steps, but you know, there's a way around everything. And that's the beauty of what we do. And it's just getting out of the mindset of the frustration and just like, yeah, no, we'll figure it out. Right. We'll find a solution. That's awesome. Always. Okay. We always do. Yeah. Yeah. And when you've been doing it long enough to have, you know, a good repertoire of how to figure those things out. So what about failure? So I know as a mortgage broker, business owner, there's always failure, but I always find looking back, there's a lesson in it. Can you share something that you failed at, but now that you look back, you're like, oh, actually there was this amazing lesson that I wouldn't have got any other way. Yeah, it's funny because I read that, you know, I've thought about that before as well. And I'm like, it sounds cliche, but it's like, I actually don't look at anything as failures because I'm like you, is that there's a lesson in everything. And once I kind of figure and navigate through it, I get out the other side and that I actually forget what the original problem was because you work at it, you figure it out, you digest it and you move on and you heal or you grow or you evolve. Right. Like if I take it on a personal level, I just did a big basement renovation and I had a few different contractors. I was kind of, I guess, manning the way because I knew a bunch of different people to help. And the main guy, it went total sideways. And within three weeks, I had to let him go. And it's the middle of a pandemic. And now I've got a basement that's not in good shape and I have nobody to finish it. So it was a little defeating, but you know, you reach out, you talk to your different contacts and I brought in a few different people and now we've got an amazing end result. And a lot of good came out of it in the end. But right, yeah. right. Do you think it was just not hiring the right guy and not asking the right questions? What was the learning in that that you realize now looking back? I took the easy route because I knew him and he I had see. done work for me before, but he was in a different space and mindset as well. And I think he bit off more than he could chew based on the size of the project. So I didn't ask the questions. I just assumed he could do the job because he had done right. stuff for me before. 
Yeah, I've done that too. You're kind of like, oh, you're available? I actually awesome. admire people that way. Like, you'll do. You're available to start on Monday. Amazing. And then you're like, what the heck? You know, and not actually <laughs> slow down enough to make sure you get the right person in there. Absolutely. So, yeah, there was what, a financial cost to that too, right? So There always is. Yeah, but I, I took a hit financially. And you lose life. some money on that. And, totally. But you learn. Absolutely. Okay, it's a great lesson. That's applicable to all, you know, that's not just contractors, but employees and stuff too. So what about, Absolutely. what's the single biggest change you made to your business in the last 12 months? We've done a lot of changes this year because we started off the year I had two team members, which was new to me as well, because that only started in October of last year. But the biggest change was actually, it was signing up for your course, to be honest with you. It was the $25 million blueprint course. I've done coaching before and they've worked in between personal and business and such, but it wasn't something that was ongoing. And I think you had, you know, send out the email of, you know, what's the, the quick question. question. Yeah, yeah. The quick, that, question, yeah. quick question, quick question. That blew up like that. I have no words what that did, which catapulted me into the change of doing the blueprint course. And that was the foundation of so many changes that we made this year. So then going into this year, if you don't mind sharing, like what was your productive volume like last year? And then how's it gone this year? Yeah, last year we were at 46 million and we did 125 files. And as of, I think just last week, so end of September, we were now at 152 files and we're at 66 million. Wow. Where do you think you'll end the year? My original target was 70 and 180 files. So I think we'll probably hit the 180, although it is slowing down a bit, but I think we're still going to be okay. And probably about 70 to 75. Right. That's which awesome. is awesome. Which is, yeah, like a huge increase. Do you find, okay, you've seen an increase. Are you more stressed? How's your day-to-day look? It's less stressful. It's the weirdest thing. So when we started the program, so we did that, what, in January, February? Yeah. And then... There was a lot of stuff that came out of that that we were going to start implementing. And then the spring got really nuts, like for everybody. Like we were hitting 28 files a month, which we were averaging 12. So we really like doubled. And then there was a lot that didn't fund because people couldn't purchase properties, right? So our volume was, yeah. yeah, it was crazy. And we were all kind of burnt out, like after about two months of that, it felt like, because I think we hit 28 files for three months in a row. And then when it came to like in the summer, when we were closing like 20 or 22 files, it felt quiet. And we were like, wow, because we are starting to implement changes. Like we learned from the spring. So now an average month for us is 15 to 20 and it feels quiet. It's good. Right. Feels very manageable. So you said you made a bunch of changes. So like, is your time management different? Is your loan process different? I guess an example of something you changed in your process that you were doing before and what you're doing different now. The client journey. And it was actually allocating who does what, as opposed to two of us working on the same file at the same time, or it's like, we're both looking at emails and dealing with it. Like the same client, we didn't have a process. And I think, cause it was all in my head and I was always on my own for so long to actually start like delegating and putting a process in place and assigning the tasks. It was like, okay, so I'll do this. Like when the new client comes in, this is now our process. And we've tweaked it a couple of times. So that was ongoing. So that honestly was huge. That is what set up the stage for successful days. Right. So that's cool that you took some of this, you applied it. Yep. How's your team responded to these changes? Amazing. Amazing. Because now they have ownership, right? right? So they've also, everybody knows what their part is in the journey. And if somebody's on holidays or somebody's sick, I think we all know where to pick up. Like it's totally okay. Yeah. No, it's actually, it's super seamless. It's actually really good. Right. That's amazing. And then, so how old are your kids now? 19 and 16. Okay. So So they're older now. They're older, but (laughs) have they noticed any difference in you? Let's talk about not about work, but like personal life. Is there any kind of things have you noticed outside of that? I don't work nights and weekends. I've actually set up boundaries and I'm home. So, which is interesting this past year though, 
we found because I would come into the office, but then through the pandemic, it was like we would all disperse again, right? So we really got good with Zoom. So Yolanda would stay in the office, I'd go home and then Catherine went home. And then we kind of coordinated and talked through WhatsApp. But what we found when I was working at home, I wasn't shutting it off at the end of the day right. because I would be still at home, right? So coming back to the office, when I leave at five or six or four or however the day goes, I'm actually home. Right. And so prior to that, yeah. were you working many evenings and weekends, like prior to making these changes? Oh, yeah, for sure. I had no boundaries. Right. Right. And that's the thing with this job is that we can work 24-7. It can rule us. And it did for the first 10 years. But now that I've got a team and there's so much production during the day, I don't need to because there's always tomorrow. It's okay. I want you to talk to the Gail from, you know, five years ago who was working herself half to death. So what would you say to somebody who's you know, listening to this going, yeah, I know I need to put boundaries in place. I know I need to put structure, but like nobody can do it like me. I don't know whatever the story is in your head, but like, what would you say to that person right. who's listening? Yeah. Yeah. You need an assistant kind of thing. Yeah. Cause this at the end of the day, it's not worth it. And I find the client that calls you at nine o'clock at night is going to want you at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning. And there's more of a high demand on that client. And they're the ones that don't always see it through. Mm-hmm. Like I just recently had a client, he's an old neighbor of mine. He texts me, he was putting in an offer and such. And I went outside our process and he just emailed yesterday that he went back to the bank. And I'm like, every you time know you break the process, hey, every I did. single time, you're just like, oh, it's a friend. It's my family. It, exactly. it does not work. It literally shows up, right? It shows yeah. up. And it was like, there was proof in the pudding that I did not do what we've been doing this whole last year. And we just wasted our time. So I would literally say is create the boundaries. Kind of, it's okay. It's okay. Because the clients that want to work with you and respect you and want the relationship that you offer, they're going to be the ones that are there. They trust your expertise. Right. That's true. Okay. So mm-hmm. last kind of question on this. So what are you most excited about right now? Like, so when you look forward and ahead, you see what you guys are doing, you're doing more efficient business and more business. What's yep. got you excited in the next sort of 90 to 180 days? It's bringing in fulfillment. So bringing in another full-time body. So then that way Yolanda's more into client intake and underwriting. And then she doesn't have to worry about fulfillment. We've got somebody else doing that. And then I can start doing the education and actually kind of becoming the PR for the business. So that way get more videos, do more events, do more lives, like kind of get more into bringing in the business. Mm-hmm. That's the part that I like. So kind of doing the business It's the, it's the relationship stuff. building. Yeah. You got it. Relationship building. Okay, cool. It. Well, that's amazing. So I haven't chatted yep. with you in a while, so I have no idea. It's super cool what you've done with it. So, okay, so I got some rapid fire questions. You can answer these as shorter answers. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I love home renovations. So does my wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to meet her. She's like, every time she's like, what about this? I'm like, oh my gosh, like seriously. Sometimes I just want to burn the house down and just be like, let's start over. Like, And I'd be like, okay, let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's now go. We can, now we can go. <laughs> Uh, we have yeah, a hundred year old house, so it's not just the open plan. There's a lot of variability and options and she loves it, but that's, that's cool. That's like my house. That's my house. So I get you. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, there's something cool. Okay. What's a movie everybody should watch at least once. There's so many, but the one that I'm going to stick to is eat, love, pray. Okay. Julia Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. It's an older one. I read the book like 10 years ago. I got the message, but over the years, as you evolve and grow and heal and your journey goes on, you hear something different every time. It's pretty awesome. You know, I watched Goodwill Hunting recently and I saw it when I was like younger and I was like, man, this movie is deep. And when I watched it, it was just this kind of funny, like, it's funny how movies, you see things totally differently at different stages of life. I was like, man, there's Absolutely. a lot to this movie. Right. Um, which was super cool. Okay. What are some software or tech tools you use? Three of them that really help you with your business. 
Restore, which is our CRM program, yeah. which I know they changed the name. I forgot the it's name. It's called Biologics Pro, I think now. Pro, thank you. Yeah, we've been with them for a while and they've really evolved because we were actually looking to go to Jungle. But then it came to be what we needed it to be. So we've stayed with Door and then Atext. That was a game changer. Yeah. That was like a little conversation with the course and then yeah. Dropbox, Dropbox. That's how we keep track of everything. Like in terms of our closing dates, active files, pre-files, it's almost like a mini CRM for us. Right. Cause it keeps track of like where everything is. What's one book you recommend for our listeners? That one is Life is Magic by John Dorenbos. He was a speaker at a Tony Robbins event and what a life journey that man has had. He was also, I think he was the quarterback for I want to say the Eagles. I don't know if that was right. It was one of them, but football guy, but the life journey of him of taking something so tragic and just how he evolved and grew with that. Mm-hmm. Super inspiring. Super yeah, inspiring. I've, I love football stories. So I don't know that. Oh. Let's look, look it up. If you ever get a chance to hear him speak. Wow. Okay. I'm going to put that on my list. And then what about elevator yeah. questions? So let's say, who's your ideal client? You're in an elevator. You got 30 seconds. How do you say, what do you do? How do you explain that? I've been working on that one for a little bit. And that also came from one of my Tony Robbins events because I just did the business mastery program. And that literally comes down to we're looking for the family, like the family connection and to be the circle of influence within the families. So I always say that I'm a transformational coach. So we're going to transform and starting with your finances because money is energy. And when you change on the inside, you change your outside, you change your surroundings. So I may be a mortgage broker, but it's more than just mortgages. Right. That's amazing. And then if you could travel back in time to 2007, you know, first week in the mortgage business and you're like, Gail, listen up. These are three things you got to do. What would you say to yourself? Start a CRM program. Don't try to start it 10 years later. I think the memory can only hold so much, right? I would hire an assistant sooner. Always, always, always. And call your database. Don't be scared. They want to hear from you. They trust you. They like you. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Keep in contact. Yeah. Okay. So where do people find you online? Website is gailsylvester.ca and then all my social media. Gail, what's sorry? Gail Sylvester. I thought I said Gail's the best. I'm like, that's pretty good. This is confident. Oh, you know? Gail'sthebest.ca. <laughs> like, just, you, you know where I am. You can find me. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you should imagine? get that domain. Yeah, I'm going to totally look into that when I hang up. There you go. Gailsylvester.ca. Okay. And then, like, even between Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, it's all Gail Sylvester Mortgage. The same handle it's for been- everything. It's been super cool to hear how you, uh, you know, really transform your business. It's been a crazy year, but you're really getting, like you said, with those boundaries and putting some structure in place and a team, like it's cool. What's possible. Hey, yeah, it's awesome. Never would have thought this when I started out in 2007. It's pretty cool, right? So it's like, you know, don't limit your thinking. Just keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks, Gail. Yeah, it's pretty cool. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Scott. Hey, Ben, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Thanks, Scott. Great to be back. So today, actually, I'm pretty interested in this topic. We were talking about it offline, but we're going to share three surprising uses for reverse mortgages or situations where a reverse mortgage actually made a ton of sense. And I was like, oh, cool. Even as an experienced mortgage broker, I was like, this is creative. And so let's jump into that. So what's kind of the first example you have of a use case for a reverse mortgage that people may not think about? Yeah, I mean, so the first one is something we're seeing a lot of this year is the concept of a living inheritance. 
right? So traditionally people thought about inheritance as something you do after you pass away. I think a lot of people are rightly rethinking that, right? And are thinking about, can I start giving, you know, some of my assets, start that process of wealth transfer to my children and grandchildren while I'm still alive to kind of see them benefit from it. And especially in the context of how difficult it's become for young people to get into the real estate market today, just to be able to make the down payment. It's crazy right now. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, for example, we have a customer right now in Vaughn. She is a widow and has a fully equitized home. She's paid down the mortgage to zero. What she's actually doing is she's taking a reverse mortgage from us and she's dividing the proceeds equally between her two daughters. And her two daughters are making down payments on homes of their own. Actually, the same broker is doing all three deals. So he's basically getting comped on three different mortgage transactions. Right. So basically, the cool part about this is they actually get the joy of helping their family while they're alive versus like, okay, you know, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So a living inheritance is an interesting concept. And if you're the broker navigating all those files, there might be more files in it for you. So yeah, that's the first one. What's another kind of use case that people will use reverse mortgage for? Yeah. So I mean, another one that isn't always intuitive to everyone is the idea of using a reverse mortgage for a purchase right? Like you use a traditional mortgage for purchase. So for example, we have a scenario right now, we have a customer who is selling their home, moving into a new home. The individual is actually kind of a semi-retired pastor. So he doesn't have, you know, a huge amount of income. So, you know, he would struggle to get kind of a traditional, you know, a prime mortgage. But what he's doing is he's taking actually a reverse mortgage from us in order to basically make that purchase of the new home that he wants to move into. You know, as a mortgage broker, I often thought about reverse mortgages as primarily a refinance tool, but you know, now what you're sharing with me is that this person can use it as a purchase option. You know, it sounds like, you know, great guy, but not a ton of income. And now he has no mortgage payment and can use it as a purchase, which is pretty cool. So that's awesome. So what's kind of a final example of use of reverse mortgage that people may not think about? Yeah. So we have a customer right now who is kind of in the middle of finalizing a divorce settlement. She doesn't have a huge amount of income. Um, so we'd have trouble kind of qualifying for, you know, a regular mortgage in order to be able to buy out her spouse. But with us, she's able to take a reverse mortgage. She's using the proceeds from the reverse mortgage to actually facilitate that divorce settlement. So she's taking the proceeds, using that to pay her soon-to-be ex-spouse. And then she'll be able to kind of continue living in that home that she's, you know, obviously become accustomed to and wants to continue living in. Right. Yeah, this is another example. Okay, so let's do a recap of sort of three uses of prime you're thinking when it comes to where this, you know, reverse mortgage tool could be very helpful. Yeah. I mean, and so obviously there's innumerable sort of use cases that you might obviously think of, right? Like debt consolidation, kind of three use cases for reverse mortgage that you wouldn't necessarily think about. One is a living inheritance, right? The ability to kind of take some cash out of your house and give that to your children and grandchildren, other, you know, other loved ones, and be able to actually see them benefit from that while you're still alive. Right. You know, the second one, again, it's not always intuitive. Not everybody thinks about reverse mortgage as a, you know, a tool to actually make a purchase, but it's totally possible. You know, so we're using a reverse mortgage to actually make a purchase or a purchase transaction. And then the final use case that, you know, you might not always think about, it's actually a pretty effective tool to help facilitate a divorce settlement and make sure that at least one of the spouses can continue living in the home. Right. They're not forced to sell in order to divide the asset. Right. So exactly. That's a good option. Okay. So awesome, Ben. I love this. You're just giving me a new way to think about reverse mortgages. So if you're listening to this, Ben's company is called Bloom Finance. You can check them out at bloomfin.ca. And so they're a new entrant into the reverse mortgage space. And the cool thing is Ben comes from a fintech background and they're high tech, but they also make it very easy for your clients and they make it easy for you actually. So if you've got a client that would be a good fit for reverse mortgage, you basically do the warm introduction and they will take care of everything and you get paid and you actually get paid significantly higher on a reverse mortgage than you do on a typical first mortgage. Hey Ben, thanks again. I really appreciate you taking the time today and just check out bloomfin.ca, Bloom Finance, and we'll be talking again soon. Thanks a lot, Scott. 
This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.